Before we open God's word, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in this afternoon hour, we once again find ourselves in this house, in this house of prayer, and we give thee thanks for that. We thank thee, dear Lord, that we can come into this house whenever our heart desires to do so, and that the government lets us to do this. We pray, dear Lord, that as we have gathered, that thou wouldst not look at the frailty or unworthiness of the servant, but rather at the need of this church, and that thou wouldst once again, as thou hast so often in the past, once again visit us and bless us. We fully trust in thee, and we know that we are gathering around thy word, and it excites our hearts to know that once again we'll be able to meet thee. We pray the Lord for prepared hearts, that the word that may go out would touch many hearts, but that we would take them also to heart, take them home with us, and apply them in our daily walk with thee. We thank thee in advance, and we dedicate this next hour into thy keeping, and invite thee that thou wouldst be our guest. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. For this afternoon's reading, allow me to open the Bible in the book of Psalms. And I would like to read a few verses out of Psalm 40. See, a few weeks ago, a young man who overcame cancer, about a year ago, he was told by the doctors that he had one more year to live and that he will not live to see Christmas of 2013. A young man who was a Christian, a father of three, went into surgery knowing that the hope is very small for him to recuperate. And yet, God's mighty hand was able to guide the physician's hands, and the entire tumor was able to be removed. And today, a year and a month later, that young man of God is healthy and is cancer-free, to the amazement of the doctors, because they didn't think that it would happen. When he at his one-year anniversary, talked about what God has done in his life and what journey God has allowed him to walk through, he used these words of King David in Psalm 40 to express his feelings. And that's what ignited my thoughts. And let me share them. Let's read together with God's help out of Psalm number 40, the first eight verses. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my, in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies." Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which thou which are to, to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears have thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings thou hast not required. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, 
Thy law is within my heart. I'd like to conclude here. Let's kneel to pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we come before thee now with thanksgiving in our hearts. We are thankful, Father, for the joy of music that we have been able to enjoy this morning. More so than the music, though, we joy in the message of the music, in the Messiah who has come. We rejoice now also, Father, that we have this most amazing privilege of your word, having your word here and being able to sit at your feet to hear this word. And we thank you, Father, for this brother who has submitted to your will and has made himself available to speak as the Spirit would move him. And so we want to offer a prayer for him that you would use the words mightily that would come from his mouth, whether they would be delivered in weakness or in strength, with great volume or in hushed tones. We, re- we realize, Father, that your spirit can move in each other's hearts, regardless of how men move in this world and what we would bring to this Father, we recognize that many of us here have come before you and have received and realized that our lives have been in jeopardy, that we also faced a death sentence. And we rejoice, Father, that you as the great physician have brought healing And yet there are many more who do not recognize that they are terminally ill. And so now, Father, we want to intercede for them. We pray that your spirit would speak to their hearts and that they would have their eyes open to recognize the state of their lives, the lost condition of their heart, the death sentence that hangs over them. But then also, Father, give them hope. May they hear the hope that you offer through your word. May they hear the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And the the victory that we can have and the healing that we can have through him and through faith in him. Thank you so much, Father, for our Messiah. May we have a clear understanding of him in this afternoon. And it is our trust, Lord, that your spirit will move and speak to our hearts. We pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Storms in life are things we are familiar with. Whether we talk about physical storms or maybe even storms that we experience within our own spiritual lives. Storms are inevitable. Storms come and go. 
Even if you look at a storm that's coming into the country, we can see as it comes in that we have no way of escape, but that the storm will hit. But there's some very beautiful things about that storm, although often when, as it's moving in, we fail to see the beauty of it. But with God's help, hopefully today we'll be able to look at our lives and see how storms that come in our lives can definitely work for our benefit, even though when we walk through them, it is very difficult to sometimes understand or even fathom. Allow me to go back to the scripture reading that was read this morning in Isaiah 9. Actually, not the scripture reading, but the same chapter. We read that even historically, there was a big storm. There was a darkness that was cast over the earth. And that storm was lifted, or you can say the storm has passed. And just as in Noah's days, God put the rainbow in the sky. So with Christ's coming, God did the same when we look at the history of earth. We can read in Isaiah 9 that the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And we know from the New Testament that that light is our Christ Jesus. So historically, and I know God does that so often, and I am always amazed when I find little puzzle pieces in Scripture that so make sense, something that make, something that is written down in the Old Testament, and yet today we sometimes go through very similar experiences. Maybe not in the physical sense, more in the spiritual sense, but it's so beautiful how there is more parallels from the Old Testament to New Testament to our life than we can even number. One of them historically would be that the world was in darkness, and as we know that the world is still in darkness, yet the light has come. Now people have the choice to go to the light or still stay in darkness. And it's a blessing from God. If we look further back in history, even in Noah's time, Noah, who was known as a man of faith, he too had to go through a huge storm. And we all know that he didn't even know what was to expect of him. When God asked him to build an ark, if we put ourselves into his shoes for a moment, it was something that didn't make sense in the human eye. Because to destroy the earth with, a flood, with floodwaters made no sense for someone who has never even seen rain. And yet, the faith that he had in God, that faith he put into action, and it took him, I believe, over 100, 100 years to build the ark. His faith was tested. He knew that a storm is coming. He couldn't imagine what it would be like, but he trusted in God that if he walks with God, all will be well. And yes, the storm hit, but it didn't hit Noah unprepared because Noah took the time and he allowed God to work in his heart prior to the storm. And just imagine if Noah would not have listened to God and would not have put his plan into action, the entire human race would have been eradicated. I'm sure Noah did not know the weight of his responsibility. And yet, once he put his faith into action, God was able to use them as a tool to save mankind so that one day God could send his only begotten son to save you and me. 
as Noah went through building the ark, we can just imagine how the people around him felt. A man that was building something that made no sense. Just imagine the mockery. Imagine the finger pointing. Imagine how people behind their hands were talking about him or even straight to his face, mocking him, making fun of him. And all those things we know were not sent from God, but the devil was trying to destroy a beautiful plan of God's. And thank God Noah prevailed, and Noah did not listen to people left and right, but he knew what was right in his heart. He had the faith in God, and he continued to build the ark that then saved his family. The reason why I bring that up because I believe in our lives we go through very similar phases where we go through a storm and we can all imagine of some kind, we can all imagine some sort of storm in our life, whether that is that maybe we are struck with some grave illness, an illness that takes every energy out of us, that may even make us question if we even have hope to live another day here on earth. It could be that our family is in turmoil. It could be that half of our family may be Christians serving God where the other siblings are choosing the, are choosing the other way. It could be that our marriage is maybe falling apart because of our doings. It could be that we go through some financial difficulties where once we felt we were blessed and maybe had a company that was running well and then the economy crashes and all of a sudden that huge financial storm hits and we don't know how we'll be able to put food on the table the next day. It could be that we had a job that we enjoyed working in and then the company downsizes and you find out that your services are no longer required. It could be that you go to school and because you're different, because you believe in God and you don't talk like, you, like, you, like your um, friends at school do, maybe because you don't dress the way they do, because you don't listen to the same music as they do, that you're always left on the side as an outcast. Today we call that bullying. So if you, if you look at these examples, somewhere in there, there's always something that we can relate to. But we have to take time and look at these storms or at these situations in life from God's perspective because God allows things in our life for a very particular reason. As ugly as they may seem, he always has the best in mind for us. We can even read that in Romans 8.28, a very well-known verse to all of us that says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that is so difficult to believe sometimes. I know in our own family when God blessed us with our third son and we found out a few months later that he is sick and that he may never walk and never talk, that storm hit very hard. It hit so hard that there was times in my life where I didn't even want to kneel down before God anymore. I didn't even want to pray to him anymore because the anger that was raging within me. And it took a long time for me to recognize that everything in our life happens for a reason and that God has the best in mind for us. 
And only then was I able to see my third son as a blessing. It took a lot out of me. I had to do a lot of repenting to realize that I was in the wrong and that God knows best what's, what is good for me. I would have never chosen this path. And yet, today I can say that the best thing that could have happened to our family is to have a special needs child in the family. Satan knows that when we go through these tough times, that we're weak, that we're vulnerable. I know that in those days, Satan was also very quick to be right there and blaming me that, oh, maybe I passed on this gene. Maybe it was completely my fault. Or maybe it was a punishment for maybe not serving God to the extent that he expects me to. Or maybe even that I wasn't even truly saved, that I just went through the motions Satan is very quick. He always attacks in our weak moments. And I believe that when Noah was attacked by people around him, that Satan was behind that too. He, we have to call him what he is. He is nothing else but his destroyer. He sees God's plan, and he wants to make sure that his plan will not be fulfilled. He'll do everything in his power. And if you look left and right, without judging some of our brethren, how they have fallen they have fallen prey to the awful attacks of Satan. And we can never point fingers. The only thing we can do is be thankful that God has so far spared us. It's comforting to know that God says in his word in 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians 10.13, that there's no temptations that we'll go through that are uncommon. Things that we go through, other people go through too. And it also says that I think is a big key here, that God is faithful and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. And also he talks about creating a way of escape. So when we go through trials that we have to recognize as a design from God to test our faith, but also to come out of the storm or out of the experience as more like him, more Christ-like. And I often imagine, and we hear it so often, as that lump of clay that has to be tried, it has to be worked, it has to, to suffer under the pressure of the hands of the master, or the gold that has to be refined to be even more pure. I believe that that's what God has in mind when he allows trials to come our way. And they only, go, they only go bad if we allow Satan to come too close and attack us. But we have to be realistic too that Satan is very cunning. And he doesn't come blatantly walking in and saying, here I am attacking you. He comes in such little subtle ways that sometimes we don't even recognize that behind what we experience, that, there's, that Satan is behind it. Allow me to share a little story, a little illustration that explains in better words than maybe I can put it, what it means when we are going through trials and when we allow Satan to influence us to the point that we start making compromises in life. It was this little bird sitting up in the tree, a beautiful little bird, and it was sitting in the same spot in the tree every day. 
and it sang praises, and it sang and sang its little heart out. And one day, a man walked past that tree with a little box in his hand, and the bird asked him, what's in the box? And the man said, a beautiful, juicy worm, and you can have it if you just give me one of your feathers. And the bird thought, why not? What's one feather? And he takes a feather out of his little body, gives it to the man to get the worm, and didn't think anything bad of it. The days went on. The bird was sitting in the tree, singing praises. And the man came by every single day with a little box in his hand, every single day with a beautiful, juicy worm. And each time he offered that worm to the bird, and each day the bird realized, this is easy. I can sit in this tree. I can sing. I don't even have to go and look for food anymore. It's being brought to me. There comes a day in this bird's little life where he realizes that he is now a very ugly little bird with no feathers, and it makes him depressed, and he has no desire in his heart to sing praises anymore. And it was too late. And not only that, he also realized that he couldn't even be called a bird really, couldn't even be called a bird anymore because he couldn't fly anymore. And I believe Satan does the same thing to us. Step by step, in such little subtle ways, he makes us compromise our, our faith. That when we go through trials, that we miss the goal. The beautiful goal that God has set in place, that we would come out as more Christ-like, that we would come out with a greater faith, that we would come out victoriously, can fail. Because we give ear to Satan and those tiny little changes we don't mind. And by the time you realize, most of the times it's too late to go back. See, these storms hit us. Trials come, and Satan tempts us. And my friend, you come to my mind. You may think that you are not with God. He, you don't call him your master yet. And maybe Satan doesn't have a grip on you like like we make it sometimes sound that when we go through some rough times. But let me tell you that if God is not your number one in life, by default, the devil is. And it's, it's very sad to even openly admit to oneself that if I am not God's son, that I am really still being held captive by the evildoer. The storms that you go through, you also cannot avoid. You cannot make them go away. And I often picture friends outside of Christ as someone that is walking, running around left and right in the storm as it's, the rain is pounding and they're looking for an escape left and right. They don't know where to go. They have tried this. They have tried that. Let's go left. Let's go right. But it should be comforting to you to know that the door of grace in that storm is still open. No one will come out of the door of grace and grab, a, grab your hand and pull you in. That's something you yourself have to decide. You have to decide to stand up and walk through the door of grace. Walk into the arms of Jesus where you will find peace. Where all these storms that hit you will hit you on a completely different level because you are with God. And why walk to Jesus? 
Why him? His word makes it very clear. We read it in John where it says, Christ is talking, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might find peace. In the world ye have Ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My friend, the reason why it's important that you walk to Jesus is because no matter what you have gone through in life, no matter what you go through right now, he has been there. We have to remind ourselves that as you and I walk on this earth, Christ did the same. We can never use the excuse that God doesn't understand me. Because he has walked the walk that you have walked. He has also been exposed to Satan. He has also been tempted by him. He has also suffered pain. He is the only person that can fully understand you, that will never turn you away. So my prayer is, my friend, that you too would embrace the fact that Christ has come for you. The Messiah that we sang about this morning has died for you as he has for us. And that you would not walk away from the door of grace. Because see, as much as we believe that the door of grace up to this point is still open, when you walk back into the darkness, it is going to be confusing. It's going to just bring you deeper and deeper into what we read that David was even pulled out of, the miry clay. You're going to sink deeper and deeper into, into worldly things, and it's going to get more and more difficult to still escape from this world and walk into the arms of Christ. We mentioned Noah earlier. And we all remembered even from Sunday school that after the storm was over and Noah and his family and all the animals left the ark, God put this beautiful rainbow rainbow in the sky. And spiritually, if we are faithful, and if we endure what comes our way, we too, spiritually, are able to see that rainbow. We will, at one point, be on the other side of the storm. See, God sees the storm from all ends. He knows what's coming. He knows what's going to happen after. We can't. We're short-sighted. And that's why it's important that we trust in God. But that rainbow spiritually is something that will come if we are faithful, if we're patient. And I often tell myself the, this, the words of the song in the edition. comes to me in German first, so I have to look it up. 310, wait, oh wait, my spirit, wait on the Lord. See, so often I think we allow Satan to influence us and we are willing to make compromises because we just want to move it on. We want the storm to pass faster and we'll put our actions into, into something just so we can move it on. And yet, we have to learn to be patient. The duration of the storm is in God's hand and he knows why a storm has to last as long as it does. It is beautiful to know that storms are not all the same length. In life, some of our storms may pass quickly. It may be a storm of a day or two. It may be that we're tried for a very short period of time. And yet, just like Noah didn't know how long he's going to have to spend in the ark or how long the storm would last, we have to also prepare ourselves that the storm of life may be a very long one. 
the end of the storm for us may even be that we get to be with the Lord instead of the storm just passing here. But that is okay. We'll live for that. We'll live to one day be with God. I hope and pray that we'll be able to be patient in what we go through in life and allow God to work in us, work through us, so that we, just like Noah was instrumental in saving the world, not that we will save the world, but we, one by one, can witness to people, even in trying times, so that they too would be able to be led to God and find him as their own personal savior. I would like to end with a with words of a song that are near that is near and dear to me that I believe puts it very nicely into perspective and the words go like this God sees the storm from the other side he knows the lessons learned and just beyond the clouds he sees clear skies he speaks peace to the raging storm when peace could not be found he already sees the rainbow when we see only clouds. May God bless his word. Good brother, please choose a hymn. Okay, number 311. The first and the third verses of hymn number 311.
Before I call up uh, Brother Thomas to share some concluding thoughts, I wanted to give opportunity if there's anyone who didn't get a chance to extend greetings this morning. No, I want to say, Brother Chris. Thank you, Brother Chris, for coming. Thank you, Brother Mila, Brother Ishvan, extends greetings and thanks to the church. And whoever would visit him, please extend church's greetings well. Extend our greetings as you return to West Akron and all the other brothers to the respective churches. We want to thank every one of you for, for coming and making this such a blessed day and uh, ministering to us in song and in the word. Brother Eric, we want to thank you for serving us this afternoon. And uh, we know there's a lot of sacrifice that went into so many aspects of today, a lot of things behind the scenes. And so may the Lord be your rich rewarder. Uh, just a, a few things uh, to conclude. Um, we've already announced that uh, our, our dear brother, Adam Ritzman, has passed on to his reward, has faithfully completed his course, and we ask uh, that you keep his family in prayer. And we'll uh, send out uh, details of the funeral as they become available. <clears throat> um, next uh, week, we'll look forward to the uh, children's Christmas program. Um, I was asked by Brother Dennis to say that Richmond Hill is also having their Christmas program next for those who are still here from Richmond Hill. Uh, so, And there, there will be lunch for all after the Christmas program here in Western Road. And we, again, want to thank those who worked so diligently and contributed generously to the cookie bake and cake there. I'm told there's still some cookies and cake left over at the house, so you feel free to, to drop by there if you would like to, to, uh, to see what they have. So I'd like to ask uh, Brother Thomas to give some concluding thoughts. If I could just take a few moments, in my mind, and perhaps in your mind, in the busyness of this season, there's a check mark that went beside a box today. And that check mark was beside the box that spoke of, or that indicated that the Messiah program would be presented this weekend. And the temptation in my life is to, in this season, fill the season up with so much busyness. This is one more thing that was accomplished. On to the next thing. And I want to encourage each of us to stop. We have heard this morning, both in song and through the uh, spoken word about the Messiah. We have heard of the darkness and the light that shone out of the darkness, the hope that we can have. We have been taken in our thoughts forward to that time when we will be singing hallelujah with the Lord as he establishes his kingdom. 
And let's not rush away from that. This afternoon, we have been encouraged that even when the storms are coming, when they're all about us, when things perhaps don't make sense, even though God is telling us to go forward, we have that sure faith or that faith, the one who is faithful that we can trust in. And instead of taking one more item off of our list, let's do as Mary did. After the shepherds had come, they had received the word from the angels. They had heard glory to God in the highest. And then they went to see this great thing. They went to see the Messiah. There laying in a manger, wrapped in the rags. And what did Mary do with all of this? When she heard of the the news, and she heard the proclamation of Gabriel earlier, when she now heard the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. I want to encourage each of you to not rush now from here. This is not finished. The message has gone out, and it is not finished now. Ponder this message. Ponder the significance of what we have heard today. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.